to, don't get me wrong. You you announce any round, you deserve all the high fives and all the credit where it's due because it's really hard. And everyone's like, hey, congratulations on that round of funding. I'm like, yeah. I always like to flip that around and be like, congratulations on the unprecedented amount of work that you just committed to. Hello, hello, hello. Today, today, today is the final episode of season four, and I can't have a better guest. I have the best guest, uh, someone who I think is not only really, really amazing business person, but also super funny. So we're going to have fun chatting today. Um, but Dave, before I get to the nitty gritties and all the good stuff, let me set this up if you please. David Abbey is a serial entrepreneur, founding his first business back in 2003. After his exit in 2006, David enjoyed some time abroad while shifting into the world of tech startups, earning an enviable reputation for creating strategic partnerships, fostering growth within companies, and identifying opportunities to improve businesses. David first dreamt up, dreamed up, if you will, uh, Penny, an AI-powered virtual assistant, while witnessing his wife's challenges running a successful direct sales business. Never one to sit still with an idea. In 2018, David co-founded Penny AI with the Chris Noble, together building a tool to help millions of direct sales consultants grow their businesses. David, thank you so much for joining me today. That's a pleasure to be here. And uh, thank you very much for uh, wrapping up season four with the likes of me. It's kind of, oh, kind of fun. This is a blessing, man. And, yeah. and we've had some amazing guests and this is just a cherry. I mean, you are the cherry yeah. on the cake, if you will, of people say that I don't know what they do but let's 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 well let's start off with the sweetest of those cherries then David can you just tell me the creation story behind Penny AI uh absolutely the the creation story is a fun one because it's got a long tail which I'll keep short Um, yeah I've probably cooked up a hundred ideas along the way just Mm -hmm. this like somewhere along the way I'm just like I want to be an entrepreneur this is what I want to do and you know there's when I talk to some early investors they None of my ideas would scratch would pass the scratch test. Like, mm-hmm. is there a market? Is it viable? 99 of those ideas wouldn't even pass the wife test. So when I came up with the idea for Penny and it's solving her problem, mm-hmm. she was like, yes, absolutely. Please just do that. And mm-hmm. what had happened, right? I've worked in technology ever since I graduated. My co-founder, Chris, long, long friend, um, brilliant engineer. Um, you know, software is meant to solve problems and it's mm-hmm. meant to scale as fast as possible. And my wife was working in the direct selling industry. Um, working for a company that had hundreds of thousands of sales consultants. We call them the Mm -hmm. Terry's, just like her. Um, And nobody had a system. Everyone, you know, this is a podcast, but if you watch the uh, video version, number one competitor was a notebook. Mm -hmm. No systems, no automation, no intelligence, and just kind of brute force to build businesses. Mm -hmm. Um, And we had uh, three kids under four at the time. So my wife is trying to be a mother, Mm -hmm. trying to be a, a a spouse and trying to build a business and when she was just dying and when I kind of looked at what she was doing it was so apparent that there was so much data that these companies were sitting on but if we could access the data then we could build a system or just an automate simple automation system just be like Terry here's what you should probably do um, and that was when we kind of came together with the concept of course when I said to my wife hey do you mind if I quit my job uh, while well, we have three kids in diapers to do a startup, which has a 99.9% failure rate to see if we can solve your problem. And she was like, yes, please quit your job and let's do this. Uh, and then of course, <laughs> quit, quit the job, which was a, uh, was a spicy time of life for those first uh, formidable years of Penny. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and put together the prototype and, and started the company and you know, the, 
that kind of product market fit, oh my goodness, we should pour some gas on this was really apparent really quickly. And that's mm -hmm. when Chris and I kind of really started building it. Fantastic. Well, first off, having your partner support is incredibly important because don't even bother trying to hide that one. It, but, it will, it will, mm -hmm. it will kill you. Oh, it will kill you before you even get there. You'd be bolder than, than I already am completely, but yeah. not only have her support, but also to have her as the customer, like the person that understands yeah. the problem and can be really intimate with you with that problem is, is incredible. And, you know, also I assume, cause it's, so, so when it's, it's, is it kind of like a, a, an MLM sort of situation or is it like it's, the, it's the sales yeah, situation? The direct selling it, mm -hmm. uh, direct selling industry, MLM industry, um, social selling. It's built on individual selling products throughout their social network. So mm -hmm. when, when we looked at it, you're like, well, the best way to scale a product is through virality. Yeah. What better way to scale a product is through a network of people who are trying to sell things online. Um, you know, not that 2018 social media was in its infancy, but it was still young and new and, and growing. Instagram hadn't really kind of broke through yet. So our ability to build a product, deploy and find customers was really easy. And, and to the point you just made, our target user was sitting at my kitchen table. So when you think about like studying the habits of someone who's successful, um, it was so easy, not so easy, but we had an upper hand of us mm -hmm. finding the first customer, second customer, and letting it go from there. Well, that's awesome. Well, you know, I want to get back just actually when you're, you're telling me about these hundred ideas that you have, do you have a notebook or do you have something that you're just always writing down ideas or what, what or are they just in your head? Like, what do you do with those ideas? Cause this is super important. Uh, they, they, they usually make it onto a whiteboard right up mm -hmm. until the point they get shot down. And then I just erase them. <laughs> who needs to shoot I, them down? Though? I, like who, who shoots them down? Like, like you, you said, there's people. I, I, mean, I use, I usually do it half the time I do it myself, right? I yeah. think I've gone far enough down the path. It's like, okay, is this the problem or is it need? Okay. Mm -hmm. Is it, is it like a nice to have, or is it actually going to be really cool? Mm -hmm. um, and then is there a market for it? And then of course, now that I'm down the venture path, will someone fund this? Yeah. Um, and I usually go through and I've, you know, I'm one day we're going to build up penny and we're going to sell it. And I'm probably going to hang out for about a year. And I already know the next company that I'm going to build. I've, awesome. I've, sketched it out of it, it it passes my scratch test mm -hmm. so that, that that's that, there's a few in there there's that's a lot that cool. were unsuccessful though but there has to be i mean i've had my own share i mean there has to be because if you're not learning from these you're not doing the right thing right at least no. you gotta you gotta fail to launch launch to fail launch to fail a couple times fail to launch is a bit of a different game but but you have to launch yeah. to fail to kind of get get your own not only product market fit, but also to, I recognize yep. how much work as an entrepreneur you really need to put in. Like, forget that nine to five. I mean, you mentioned the three kids under four. I mean, I had similar, I have two, two in a vasectomy, thank goodness, but two. Um, and it's a lot of work and stress and all that. And to, to, to launch yep. that, you have to be pretty sure of yourself um, or at least sure that you can at least take it so far. I just, the, well, you know, you asked me before, it's like, what is, what is some, some advice? There's a, obviously a few things and nothing's going to be a golden goose here one if you have a partner don't do it unless you have their support that's probably my advice <laughs> um, two if you get a business partner make sure you guys are actually aligned like i won the business partner lotto with chris he's yeah. like him and i are cut from the same cloth mm -hmm. um and and three don't have a plan b don't be like well if this doesn't work you know no this is going to work it works right up to the point that it doesn't work. And then you get plan B. And one thing Chris and I always said to ourselves is like, well, the worst case, we just get a job. Like, 
God forbid, all you do is go get a job, mm -hmm. right? But <laughs> going through all of those phases with three kids, trying to figure out how this thing works, you know, having no money, no one's going to back us. It was a, it was, like I said, it was a spicy time. It is a spicy time. But I'm here it's now. Scary so time. I feel yeah, it's scary, but it's, it, I think if you really want to be an entrepreneur, you, 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 you have to be excited about the fear. You absolutely have to, because otherwise the fear is just going to crush you. Com well, I mean, you know what I find, I find that I can find, uh, you know, after speaking to someone for, for say 15 minutes, I can kind of get a gut feel if, if it's in their bones or not. Like there's certain, there's certain things that are in there. The, the, I, I, I'll almost call it with a lot of uh, entrepreneurial types, the details don't always matter. It's really the big picture that matters. And then they'll find the mm -hmm. details through. Um, that's not the same. I mean, that's why you have a good business partner, right? They can, they can, they, yeah. can, they can help out with well, that. Well, it's the, uh, the, the running joke for the last, let's say six to nine months when we were raising is like, well, I'd wake up in the morning, get my sweet jab right in the face. Then I get my cup of coffee and I go to work. That, that was, that was my life. You want to start a company? Just get punched in the face every day get your coffee, get your coffee, and then go to work because that's what you're working on. I, I hope that's you what it felt like. Every... <laughs> I hope I don't have to. No. Well, well, you know, let's, right. talk, let's talk a little bit about this because you just closed a really nice size B round. Do you, do you, yes. can you, can you share um, the story behind that? Um, it was really, 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 really hard. It was one mm. of the hardest things I think I've ever done. Um, and, you know, you get to the stage of the company where we're at, we've got awesome growth metrics, revenues on point, we're enterprise, we're taking down, you know, seven figure deals, uh, all the metrics met add up, like, we're just mm -hmm. like, wow, we are, thing, things are going in the right direction. And I think one of the hardest things, and um, I'll say I ate some humble pie on this one, for sure, was, you know, when, when we look across what should be your benchmarks and your KPIs, we're like, wow, we've, we've got all these, but we're going into these VCs and a lot of West Coast, a lot of East Coast, and everyone that's going into these VCs is like this. And in a room full of tens, someone's a nine. It's like, oh, you know what? You have brown hair, love blocks. You know what? I don't like beards. And it was just, if you, they, would, they would nitpick you on the tiniest little things. And in the direct selling industry, we are the first company to raise this type of money in our vertical. It's you know $200 billion industry, wildly underserved. So everyone was like, holy, look at these metrics, but I don't get your space. So it got, it became really, really hard. A lot of people would lean in and just not get it, right? And there's this crazy convergence of what is direct selling or social selling and um, multi-level marketing and social commerce. And those things, they're, they're smashing together as we speak. And a few people got that. PSG was just like, oh man, this is amazing. That's why they went head first in. But we went through the round we kind of slowly started having those conversations in November, built up our whole pipeline, went through January, like, oh, this is great. Got to the end of January, you're like, we've no term sheet. Okay, still have a lot of staff. Got it. Okay. One plus one is not e equaling two right now. Uh, <laughs> um, and then you get through February, and then it was just it, it, where it became so hard, I think, is just the pressure, right? Mm -hmm. I've got, I think we had 90 employees at the time. We obviously have a we all love the word runway, right? Mm -hmm. Mine was, ours was pretty short. Yeah, I got through the process and, you know, really hit it off uh, with PhD as a group of investors and a group of individuals, which I think mm -hmm. is so important. Even when I think back to our first, uh, our first investor, 
Joshua is now a board member and I consider him one of my closest friends. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like if you don't, if you guys don't connect. So yeah, we got through the process. Is that Joshua Bixby uh, or? Uh, no, Joshua Siegel. He's out oh, okay. from venture capital out of gotcha. New York. Um, and then of course you get into the due diligence. The runway still is there. Uh, mm -hmm. Due diligence was taking longer. Lawyers were making sure to really rack up those, those bills. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then we finally got that done and it wasn't, it wasn't, popping bottles and celebrating and you know screaming from the rooftop uh it was a massive sense of relief um and excitement to being like you know when we started the company we had this vision and then when we got to series a we had this vision and now when we get to series b we've got this very large vision mm -hmm. and it's just more the excitement of uh, now i get to execute my vision versus just like yay we raised all this money let's go you know do all these cool things it's mm -hmm. it was more just like awesome and we all have jobs for a couple of years. That's an important part. And that's super important. Well, I mean, what was the difference between the vision between the Series A and the Series B? How, how, what, what sort of thing did it change? Just get more ambitious or? Uh, definitely more ambitious. Um, mm -hmm. the, the market in has, we've watched the market shift and really um, social commerce is such an unknown right now. It's mm -hmm. in its absolute infancy. There's a few companies that I've seen do a really good job, but when you think about the term social commerce, right, buying from someone in my social sphere of influence, mm -hmm. that is direct selling MLM by mm -hmm. its truest definition, right? Mm -hmm. When Betsy was you know, Avon lady calling in 1969, her social network was her community. Mm -hmm. So that concept of someone selling has been prevalent for as long as we can remember. Um, and now you've got your Mac, you know, macro influencers like the Kardashians will never sell you anything. They'll just post and you'll go buy it. But as you go down into the, the micro and even the nano influencers, they are now being able to do this. But there's no systems, there's no platforms. There's, there's actually almost nothing for them. So while we've built the system on the backs of the direct selling industry, which has a lot of maturity to it, there's this really cool world over here that no one is doing anything about, but it's a really hot topic. And the, the term people-powered retail revolution is because individuals now own the conversation and the audience and ultimately the customer and brands are going to be wondering how to find that. So we really see an opportunity to empower both of those things and where the platform today will ultimately evolve to support that. So mm -hmm. we didn't see that two years ago when we did our A. We mm -hmm. thought this would be cool and this would be cool. And we've built all the things that we thought were cool. Now we're just seeing how our market has gone from what a $2 billion industry could be to becoming a $3 trillion industry, just by the way, the market has shifted. Um, and mm -hmm. there's a lot of talk right now, about a recession and everyone's scared and interest rates are going to go up. What's going to happen is people are going to continually look for an alternative source of income. It might not be the direct selling industry. That might not be their choice, but they might find a way to sell the products that they already love. Mm -hmm. And I see a world where penny plays a role in that. So that's amazing. That's, that's how we've just kind of grown with the times. Oh, that's and, and that is ambitious and it should be. And, 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 you know, I mean, it's, it's exciting because it also sounds like you're kind of defining the category, which, you know, uh, it, I, I would like to say, play it, play a small role. There's some really cool companies mm -hmm. that are doing bits and pieces of all of this thing. Mm -hmm. um, but no one has, from, from what I've seen today, kind of coming at it with the same, same lens or same approach that we are. I sure. think there's going to be a lot of room for a lot of people to play nice for a very long time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. No, that makes sense. Well, so so your your A round, you had a certain round of investors. Did any of them follow yeah. up in the B round as well? All of them. All of them. Even better. Yeah, that's, that's, all of that's them. Better. All of them. All of the major. All of the majors. And a few got mad at me because there was no room. 
So we ended up actually oversubscribing by um, quite a bit, which was which was nice. It just a little cushion for us. Well, that was, a, I mean, it was yeah, a big number. It was a big, I mean, what was 20, yeah. 28, 29? 27. 27? I hate to have done that because yeah. it's 27 million is an amazing number. Is is it, it, yes. is, 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 is a shockingly awesome number, especially. I, can, I, converted, mm-hmm. I converted that to Canadian when I told my mom. <laughs> oh, I'm sure she was proud of you no matter what. Uh, yeah, um, no. Well, I remember when you got your A round because I remember, so I was, I was with the C100 and I think, were you guys, yeah. you were one of yeah. the companies, one of the, what, they keep changing the we 48 were, hours or whatever. Or, yeah, we were the first year fellows? that 48 hours became the fellows. So Penny fellows. was uh, one of one of the fortunate few to be involved in that. Yeah, well, I remember remember reading about that and thinking, because um, I actually hadn't come across you at that point, but I was so excited to know that you're in Squamish. At least saying that, because I was like, there needs to be more business in Squamish. It makes so much sense to be a business in Squamish, because it doesn't matter where you are. Do you still run a lot of things out of Squamish? Or are you between Squamish and Vancouver? Where, where's the typical uh, Penny employee running out of? Uh, HQ is is Squamish because that's where Chris and I live. So <laughs> HQ will always be in Squamish. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that there's about 20 of us that live in Squamish. And okay. I mean, to your point, it is the greatest place ever. I mean, so Whistler's 35 minutes away, biking. I rode my motorbike down here today, but we are we have our big office um, right in Gastown, oh, uh, okay. right above Steamworks. So there's about 40 or 50 people that work out of this office. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we've got... I think 15 cities where people are scattered all over North America uh, and even a few in uh, the UK and Ireland as well. Very good. The best of friends these days between the UK and the Ireland. That's good. That's good. Um, Why don't you tell me a little bit about the experience of being a fellow at the C100 then? Because I think it's awesome, like so awesome to to, to see the support. Tell me how you felt you received any support. Uh, I I thought it was amazing. I said it before, I'll say it again. And, you know, I've been in the Vancouver tech community for say 12 years. I graduated 12 years ago. Uh, I think my favorite part of the C100 is watching for all these years. And I was with startups before and little companies. And when someone would actually make it in the C100, you kind of look at them and be like, they've done it right. Mm-hmm. So when we made it there and we got in, um, it was a pretty humbling experience for me to be, to be one of those and to mm-hmm. look back on the, you know, little budding David that was down there dialing for dollars at some startup. Um, it was really cool. But then also it's the community, right? That's the, the preface of the entire thing is the network, right? When we went through the funding process, if there was a connection of the C100, I was guaranteed to have at least one conversation. Of course, back to my point, a room full of 10, someone's a nine. So no one from the C100 ended up um, coming in on the round, which is, which is fine. Um, but having that network of people, having a lot of people to call on for advice, like I said, I'm going for lunch, Danny after this, just an awesome, awesome group of people. And, you know, when you get up to the, to, to this stage, you, you end up finding out that being the, being the front man can be a pretty lonely place. It's not too many people you can really talk to. I mean, you can talk to your spouse, your wife, your partner, and they can listen, but they just don't get it. I got my best friends that I've had since I was 12 years old. They have no idea. So being able to pick up that phone and actually just say, hey, can we go have a conversation or a cup of coffee? Uh, that in itself is worth its weight in gold. And, and, and just the good naturedness of it. Like people are there really to make well, a difference, which is shocking. Well, they actually care, which yeah. is super unique. Like you, you know, we, I don't know if you were there in maybe it was February, there was the oh, C100 event yeah, in yeah, Napa. Yeah. And it was just so 
A, it was nice to see people again. No one was on mute, which was my favorite part. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just awesome to have conversations, but everyone was always not like, hey, what can I sell you? It's like, hey, how can I help you? Like everyone generally is like, how can I help you? We're all, we're all, we all know we're all in this fight together. We're all, you know, this relentless willingness, desire to win. How can I help you? If I can just, whatever it is. And that's, that's the best part about it. It's unique. It's unique. Yeah. And, and sitting on a bus, you're on a bus and you realize, Hey, that guy beside you has 15, you know, 15,000 employees. And it's like, Oh, Okay, you know, that's, yeah. you know, and we're on a bus together, you know, to go, go into a winery in Napa and chatting and having there's, a great time. And there's, there's no ego. Oh, no one there is, is better than you, right? Actually, I was sitting on the bus. I was super excited because one of the uh, guys that was a fellow with me, um, right towards the end of our fellowship, he was doing his B-round. And I know I was chatting with him. He was so excited. He got a term sheet. Mm-hmm. So I asked him. I'm like, hey, how did it go? And he's like, oh, we actually ended up getting acquired. And like, I got to catch up with him and he was just so excited. Wow. It was just like, it's because that's the other thing. You just get to have catch up conversations with people. Like, Completely. Yeah. I, and I think the Napa location was very well done. You want to get awesome. people out of Canada to an event, put it in Napa in the middle of winter. <laughs> and how beautiful like everyone was that? Went, the, the amphitheater sort of effect where everyone kind of sits around and I got still sunburned on half my face. Like, you know, I can't, no matter where I go, same thing, same thing with the one last month and uh, down in, in San Francisco, but uh, um, just so beautiful, the amphitheater and the setup. And it's just, it's just, I don't know, humbling in a way that everyone is yep. just there to help each other. You know? Well, it's, it's just nice being back together. Like when you and I went to the event here in Vancouver, mm-hmm. um, it was just so nice to be back interacting with people. Zoom is great. It's convenient. We can all be remote and all the yada, yada, yada. You can never, you can never replace that. It just doesn't, just doesn't do it. You make friendships, you end up having really cool conversations with people. And you also, you're there to learn. I mean, that's why, that's why we all go and hear stories and try to relate and, Mm -hmm. and solve problems. Uh, no, I dig it. I do. I'm just, I'm just really glad to know that you're, you're, I mean, I th- I kind of hope member, member for life, you know, kind of a thing and just there for good spirit of helping each other. So. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, Chris and I will be engaged with the C100 yeah. uh, all the way. Awesome. Yeah. I love it. And, you know, I think that's why I noticed you guys right away too, because of course my co-founder is David as well. So it's Chris and David, you know, which is, which yep. I'm like, Hey, another BC company. Awesome. So, um, <laughs> well, you know what? I mean, I guess when you said, Hey, I'm going to quit my job to, to start the startup. Was that the point where you were serving as director of partnerships with PayFirma, or was that a different company? Uh, no, I was at PayFirma. Okay. Before, well, what, I mean, that's a pretty uh, legendary, this. Yeah, it was a pretty legendary company. I knew lots of players in there. What, what was, what was yep. the role like there and how different was it from, you know, having to, you know, work for the man, I'm getting the quotes here to doing your own thing. Uh, well, this is, doing your own thing is there's no comparison. Um, the the one thing I really enjoyed there, I worked with uh, my boss was named Dave Kennett, just an awesome guy. I'd worked with him previously before, and him and uh, Callie was one of the other guys I worked really closely with. They gave me a lot of autonomy to go when I was working on this um, banking product to go and take the pay from a product and put it into credit unions as a, a white labeled solution, um, and I just had a lot of rope to go and just get it done. So I was entrepreneurial I believe is the word uh, and had a lot of fun I think I was there for maybe two years um, and then went right up to the end and was like I just couldn't I mean I sure I probably could have stayed there for six months more flown under the radar done nothing got paid but I was just that that burning desire I was like I have to quit I have to I have to go do this 
Um, and then that's obviously when I when I left in, in the fall of 2017, I think. Mm -hmm. Well, this this gets back to me again by you can just tell. I mean, you're you're calling it entrepreneurial, which is bang on. And I think you know your your boss at the time leaves you a lot of room because he recognizes that you know you you are the type that will get it done if you say you're going to get it done, right? I mean, entrepreneurs I'm probably do probably not going to update the CRM. <laughs> I'll hit my targets. Exactly. Probably just probably don't count on me for you know TPS reports. I'm just gonna go do what I do, and that's even now when I have a yeah even now when I've got a report to you know certain individuals. I'm just like ah oh, right, mm. yeah that thing that 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 quarterly meeting we always have right. Uh, Thumbs up. Thumbs <laughs> yeah. up. It's going great. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I, think, I think we have a lot of buddy Jesus bobblehead. Yeah. <laughs> Here's, here's, here's a question I've been dying ever since I started, you know, we, we looked, yep. we looked into our research department and looked into some yep. questions for you. This is the one question I've been dying. And I have to quote it from your LinkedIn first. Okay. The direct okay. quote from your LinkedIn. I took some time away from Canada and worked for one of the top 50 wealthiest men in the world on his private 175 foot luxury expedition yacht. While on board, I sailed 10,000 plus nautical miles, crossed the Atlantic and visited over 20 countries throughout the Mediterranean, Northern Europe and the Caribbean. Can you, which is awesome. I'm, I'm just imagining Cabana Boy David here. You know, I'm, I'm assuming that's not what it was. No, but no, I was, the, I was just, just for the listeners here. I was a deckhand, not a Cabana Boy. There's a okay. difference. I was well, wearing a golf shirt and some yeah. nice yacht shoes. Uh, Tell was, me about this. <laughs> That was one of the coolest things I think I've ever done. Okay. Uh, I was, yeah, mid-20s. I hadn't gone back to school yet. I wanted to go travel. Um, and a friend of mine had gone to Europe uh, and ended up working uh, in Italy and started posting his photos. Um, and this is, this is kind of comical. Facebook wasn't even around yet. So they were sending like Kodak link through email. So I downloaded these photos. And we're from Vancouver. We have some nice boats here but mm -hmm. i had never seen a yacht i mean like mm -hmm. a yacht yeah. and i'm just like oh my goodness so i started asking questions and it's like oh they've got crews of 13 to 15 to 30 people on these things and i was just thought it was the coolest thing ever and i was like well if i want to go see the world why don't i go work on that thing so mm -hmm. sold my company out in the kootenays and then i flew to fort lauderdale which is the you know, North American Mecca for, for yachts. Mm -hmm. I took a one week kind of junior G-man deckhand course. This mm -hmm. is how you be a deckhand. And then I just started walking the docks. I just walk up to a boat. Hey, is the captain here? Hey, I'm David. I want to work on your boat. Um, so I was in Fort Lauderdale for about three months, just working, you know, I got a day job here and then I got a week job here and met a captain who knew a captain. Mm -hmm. And then I worked on a boat for about a month. And then through them, uh, got this job on the yacht called Itasca that was based mm -hmm. in Italy. So then I you know, had a phone interview and flew to Italy and lived on this thing for about a year and a half. And, and it was, it was an amazing boat because it was, it had so much character. It was an old salvage tug that some billionaire bought, refit it to be this luxury expedition yacht that, you know, has a helicopter and scooters and a crew of mm -hmm. 13 of us. And then we just, Sailed. Mr. Steven was this yeah old guy who worked his whole life, no kids, didn't go anywhere because he worked and he just wanted to travel. So we, he'd come on board and he'd be like, all right, where do you guys want to go? And we just look on the map wow. and pick a spot. And I saw some some places you'd never, you you just never get to see. In oh, on the weekends when he wasn't there, we'd hop on a plane and fly to another country and just 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 tour around. Yeah, I would never um, 
across the Atlantic again. It was a long time <laughs> on a boat with no land, but uh, yeah, it, it was, when I look back, it was one of the more, more enjoyable kind of um, traveling experiences I think I've ever had. <sighs> and now I've, and I love boats. I'm, yeah. Yeah, so, sure. so, 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 billionaire you has, uh, has definitely a more than 175 foot luxury yacht. I mean, we're going to, we're going to, you know, think this and uh, imagine it. And, uh, uh, I don't know if billionaire me would buy one of them because they cost $250 million, but billionaire me would definitely throw a party or two on one. I would imagine. Uh, I would imagine. You know, yeah. it's kind of funny. I've been thinking about when I was thinking about this, I'm thinking about all these, these Russian ones who are, you know, hey, we're selling them on you. And I'm thinking, why would you ever want to buy one of these ex oligarch boats where they're like, I'm a little angry at you for owning my boat now. You just spent 250 million. Yeah. Spent 250 There's... million on a new boat. <laughs> yeah, they're 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 pricey. I mean, I get sports teams. That's that'd be a fun thing to buy. But that would be good. Yeah. yeah uh, except yeah, for yeah. Canucks. <laughs> I won't tell you I'm dealing with Arthur Griffiths right now for some business stuff, but uh, you know, I, I, I think, I think that's a different, interesting, interesting lifestyle. Um, well, that's super. And so you're, 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 you're in Squamish. You said you're in the Kootenays before we first start up. Uh, yeah, I was in, uh, there's a little ski town there called Fernie, Fernie, uh, BC. Um, if you're Red a skier. And or it used to be Red Mountain, isn't it? Uh, no, Red is in Roslyn. So it's about, oh, it? uh, two or three hours west. Fernie is kind of right in the opposite corner of the province. Okay. It's this little, you know, 5,000 person town that has the best skiing uh, around. It's, yeah. it's that cold smoke champagne powder that, you, yeah. So I went, I went when I was 20 with the intention of staying for, for a season and I ended up staying for seven years. Wow. Because it was so good. Yeah, and what what were you what was your what was, what were you doing there uh, in terms of your entrepreneurial stuff? Because I mean, you saying, "Hey, I just want to get on a boat and going and talking to people, taking course." That's an entrepreneur. Like, it's in your blood again. So, what's what was what were you doing while in Fernie? Uh, when I first got there, I started. Uh, I used to be a DJ. Um, mm -hmm. That was actually my my first kind of entrepreneurial venture. Was I started a music production company, um, hosting events at nightclubs and just bringing in DJs and basically throwing parties. Yeah. So obviously fit really well in the ski mm -hmm. town. Um, and then a few years in, um, saw an opportunity to create a um, maintenance company because there's all of your luxury real estate and no mm -hmm. one was taking care of it. So myself and uh, my friend John started this company and then we went and got all the real estate contracts and all the rental contracts. And then we started managing all of the maintenance for all these you know, million dollar homes. Mm -hmm. So I ended up running that uh, during the summer times, and then in the winter time, I would either go backpacking or DJ. Sounds like a tough then, one. <laughs> it, yeah, and ski in between. Yeah, and then obviously I got to a point where I was kind of done with that. I knew I wanted to go back to school, so mm -hmm. sold the company, went and worked on the boat. When I moved back to BC after the boat was when I went back to BCIT. Very good. What were you studying there? Entrepreneurship. <laughs> Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah, so it was a fitting. It was a, it was a good program. Yeah, I think you'd probably teach the mm -hmm. class by now, though. Come on, Dave. <laughs> no. Yeah. Okay. Well, soon, soon, yeah. soon. Well, you know what? <laughs> Let's talk about. I mean, what what's your legacy then? I mean, how do you want to be remembered? I, you know, there's 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 it's it's a big field. You're doing some amazing things. How do you want to be remembered? Uh, the long run, my mm. my dream is to obviously build this company up. You know, return the value to every individual that's helped build this company, um, both investors and the team. Uh, and then I want to go on to the um, 
kind of the advisor investor side of the world and go find the young young versions of me that are trying to do something and you know you talk to so many individuals who have founded a company and then gone to the investor side they just want to change the way some of the processes are and not to say i've got this you know thesis of this grand vision but to be able to go back and find the 29 year old me the 35 year old me and just Mm -hmm. see that kind of fire in that person's eyes and be like how can i help you right there's been a lot of people along my path who have just leaned in and been like how can i help you Mm -hmm. um i i want to play that role i don't know if i have another one in me i'm only 40 but this has been fun but if i could do that Mm -hmm. um and at no point have i ever taxed my kids right Mm. i want being being a great dad is number one being mm-hmm. a great boss is number two. So I want to you know, build this up and then get them involved. They've, they've been, you know, they've only known Penny right there. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're, they love what's going on. I'm my sure. daughter wants, she's like, dad, can we print out flyers and get all the moms at school to like use Penny? And I'm just like, oh, it's not the, it's not the worst idea. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually a good idea with, with what you're doing, but uh, oh man, teaching Precisely. those kids, teaching those kids. Yeah, I think that's great. Being, you know, entrepreneurship, it, it doesn't matter what you're doing. It, mm-hmm. I mean, starting a maintenance company, starting a technology company, mm-hmm. um, whatever that is, supporting that journey and teaching people um, is, right, it's the lifeblood of a, just like our province. But there's, you know, so many big companies right now going into all these universities mm-hmm. and just going down and be like, I'm going to pay you $200,000 a year right out of grad school to come write code for me. That is going to cannibalize the startup community. And if people don't feel that they've got a real legitimate path to going and getting into a startup, getting an idea, getting mentorship and actually a path to do it. Well, I mean, coming out of university, I don't remember what you got paid, but I got paid $33,000 a year. So -hmm. if someone was like, Hey, start your own company for $33,000 or work for us for 200. Mm -hmm. Right. So that I would love to, play a hand in that over the next 10 years yeah huh. you know you know i remember in the, in the dot-com years at ubc what they what they did in, in, in our class we were taking is dell came in and said hey i'm gonna they took 10 people like right away dot-com so why not we're gonna pay you 200k a year you work four days a week and we fly you home for three-day weekends like why would you not say yes to that and you're and you're 22 24 somewhere there 24 yeah it's like well they didn't want me obviously but um you know i dropped out to do the startup instead which was even smarter um but um but yeah i mean there's these opportunities where you just think wow that's going to pervert everyone's perspective of what is really required to be successful because you're making them successful and they haven't even done a thing yet yeah it's 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 unfortunate um Mm. but at the same time it's always nice when you think about, okay, you, the upside is you get a lot of people go cut their teeth and they're like, they, then they realize I don't want to work for this big 25,000 person company. I want to be involved in the conversations and I kind of have this kind of desire to go do something pretty cool and just kind of send it versus yes, I committed my code widgets in there. <laughs> I'll be back on Monday. If, if you know my, my soul will but yeah. uh but i'll yeah. be there i'll be there oh man well, th- yes. this is so much this is so so much fun 
but let me let me get into the, the like I said the theme, the spirit, the the raison d'être yep. for for this for for this wonderful little chat with us today is to prepare that next generation of Canadian you know founders and their startup dream and you know definitely a lot of lessons to learn from here. Now I think you've already shared a whole bunch of great lessons, um, yep. but you know is there is there anyone that you wanted to just hammer home just one lesson you know to prepare that younger Canadian founder just one more even if it's redundant I don't care because I like the hammer at home importance. Uh, man, there's there's so many. Um, I'm gonna go with the, the the partner thing on this one yeah. because I've I've like I said I've won a lot of my my wife Terry is couldn't be more supportive. Obviously, mm-hmm. we solved her problem and um, having your partner on board and being a, a sounding board, but not someone who's gonna nitpick at you, mm-hmm. will be the difference of you oh, yeah. being successful and having a full soul cup. Whereas if you don't have that, you're, you're just doing it with one hand tied behind your back. So when you're selling VCs, make sure you're selling your other half. If you don't have another half, you're fine. You're good. Um, (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you're good. And the other one is the, the, the business partner, right? That one, I'm going to say dumb luck. I would just, Chris and I have come together. If you, if you guys aren't aligned, guys, girls aren't aligned, um, in your approach, your attitude, um, your conviction, even just the way you look at problems, you're, you're going to fail, right? If I think of all the other guys that I know and girls that are software engineers, no one could have gotten Penny where it is today if it wasn't for Chris and I working as a team. Um, there's a book that recently came out. I can't remember the guy's name or wrote it, but it's called Zero to IPO. Hmm. Um, it's, uh, the, I think it was the Okta co-founder. Mm-hmm. Okay. And in there, he's got a page on all the traits that you want your co-founder to have mm-hmm. and all the traits that you also want to have. Um, and I read that page and I, I just hit me like a ton of bricks. And I was like, 100% on every one of these. So awesome. make sure you do your homework. Don't just be like, hey, man, hey, Chris, you want to start a company? Like, I got this idea because it's really, really, really hard and it's really lonely and your soul's going to get crushed. You're going to get punched in the face every single day. And if you guys both don't get up and be like, yeah, we are going to change things after that, then you're going to fail. And that sucks because failing, that would, that would be terrible. So those would be the two, two points that I would really just kind of dig in on. And that being said, the rest of the book is awesome. I, you know, I'm, I've just looked it up. I'm uh, by, uh, oh, I just got rid of it now. Something Kenneth. And uh, I definitely, definitely want to look that up. And I, and I think, yeah. you know, that, 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 that your, your partner's thing is so important. I mean, one, one thing that was really interesting, I don't know if you came across, uh, you know, from truly you from uh, Tannis George, one of the uh, co-founders who's, who's fantastic. I know uh, she's working on a product and a book all about making sure those founders um, are aligned. Yep. And I think that's something that people should really look into because, I mean, you hit the lottery because it sounds like you were aligned right off the bat without even knowing it, you just had fit feel. Um, yep. But, you know, too often people are like, hey, you're an engineer, I'm an engineer, let's do it together. Okay, but what's what's all the, the yeah. blank spaces that you're missing, you know? The best ones, like engineer that gets everything and a business guy that gets engineering but doesn't know the details and doesn't need to, you know, something like but, that. But you can communicate and you can trust each other wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. and kind of come together because there's there's been days where sometimes I need to be talked off the ledge and Chris can do it. And there's days when I got to talk him off the ledge and there's days when we have to make really hard decisions or yeah. even the days we have to have really hard conversations. Mm-hmm. If you guys can't communicate, you're, you're, 
<laughs> you're done. And, and can you just solidify so, one thing? Because I talk to so many young entrepreneurs who say, oh, I make my A round. I am done. I am set. And they don't really understand what happens when you make the A round. <laughs> you just have to get ready yeah, for that it's, B round. It's a whole new chapter yeah, of, of challenges. I, it's uh, everyone, you know, it's a, don't get me wrong. You, you announce any round. Mm -hmm. You deserve all the high fives and all the credit where it's due because it's yeah. really hard. Everyone's like, hey, congratulations on that round of funding. I'm like, yeah. I always like to flip that around and be like, congratulations on the unprecedented amount of work that you just committed to. Yeah. Because when you do your A, unless you somehow hack into a golden goose, the B is in your future. Mm -hmm. And after the B, if you're not cracking into the golden goose before your C, then you're not getting a goose at all. Yeah. Right. So there's once you're in the hamster wheel, you're this is an engine that you got to plan until you knock it out of the park because you know, like a year ago, everything was crazy. Valuations mm -hmm. are crazy, acquisitions are crazy. Yeah. Well, everything just got reset. And now mm -hmm. if you're in this process now, it's gonna be a lot harder in the next 12 to 18 months. So mm -hmm. if you're you just did around, you're about to do around, you make sure you start there. I'm working with my coach and I'm actually building my next round fundraising deck now. Mm. And I'm using those metrics as the North star. And I'm like, mm. if we get these metrics, mm -hmm. it's going to be hard to do this round. If we get these metrics, it's going to be really hard. And if we get these metrics, we might be in a lot of trouble. And sure. this is what we have to do. And this is because the market is changing. So we have mm -hmm. to start planning for that now. And you know, we're, this is 24, 36 months from now. Mm -hmm. We that's, already know that that's that's the path. That's super interesting. I, I love even for your own internal metrics. I think it's important that you do that. You know, is that you because you want to you know under promise and over you know overdo kind of a thing, especially with investors. Well, it sets expectations with the team. Everyone's mm -hmm. like, okay, this is where we're going. This is what we need to do. We know that we need to unlock you know A, B, C, and D. This is how we plan on doing that. This is the time frame in which we intend to do that. And then across our executive team, here's the people that own that. And now let's let's execute against that. You know, awesome. when you get to you know a you know seed, okay, yeah, I think I can just go in that direction. You know, mm -hmm. a, I think I can still go in that direction. But you know, when you further you go down, you find it's like now you gotta it's a little bit of a plan. Yeah, when the money yeah. comes with ties too, that's the big thing, right? Like it's it's. Ah. You know, you're when you take other people's money, now you got to play their games as well. You know, I mean, it depends yeah. on it depends on your, the the rules of the of of, of you know of the uh, of the, the the paper you're signing. But at the same time, you have to play by their rules because that's a lot of there's, money. there's there's an expectation, right? You're not adversarial, and you know you're. I hope you're not adversarial, but you are trying mm -hmm. to accomplish a shared objective, a shared vision. Mm -hmm. um, and you want to do your best. Like there's nothing more in the world that I want to return all the value back to our investors. Mm -hmm. And I want to see everyone that's ever played a hand in, in building Penny have that windfall. You know, For sure. I remember my first startup 10 years ago and the, the co-founder, you know, we're talking about options and I had no idea how they work. And he's like, at the end of the day, you just got to ask yourself, what's a life-changing sum of money? You just graduated. Is 30,000 a life-changing sum of money? Is 100,000? Mm -hmm. I'm just like, yeah. I just bought a $400,000 house in Vancouver. Only if I would have known how cheap that was 10 years ago. <laughs> you're doing fine. <laughs> yeah. You sound like you're bragging two. now. 
and maybe you are, and as you should be. Um, no. Well, Dave, I knew this was going to happen. Every time I get, I'm having too much fun chatting with you. I, w- I went off topic. I went off script, if you should. But Fine. here we go. Here we go. I'm going to hit you with, with one of my favorite questions, because this is where I get to learn about, you know, great people up here. But, but can you share the name of Canadian entrepreneur, star, or founder that you personally look up to? There's a bunch. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the one that I always come back to, um, I've, I've had the pleasure of knowing for some time, um, been a friend, an advocate, a proponent, um, the, the first person that ever saw a penny pitch deck actually uh, is Jason Smith from Clue. Yeah, he's awesome. Um, that guy is, uh, he's, he's about as rock solid as personally as I think you get. Brilliant operator. Obviously, Clue is, a, is, a, is an awesome company. When we first met, he was just had the idea. So it's been obviously cool to follow him along. But where I think I have the most respect for him is if you, if you have the pleasure of knowing him in your personal life, that guy is the most devoted husband and father and is so engaged with his kids. And that, to me, is so important. Where I have seen it now a lot of times where people will tax their family for success. And what's the point of success if you don't get to share with your family? So, um, I've always looked up to him for that. Um, I've been fortunate enough again, you know, call him for, call him for advice. Um, so he's, he's awesome. And of course, what he's done at clue is incredible. Yeah, absolutely incredible. Yeah. It's such an awesome success story in Vancouver. So, but that being said, I don't want to discount any, you know, I was introduced to the C100, every single person that I met in there Mm -hmm. is incredible. The list could go on and on and on and on and on. Um, they're they're all amazing. Do you, do you know what's interesting about Jason though is at the so he wasn't at the uh, the forty eight hours and I actually had to reach out to him and mention this uh, after when I got when I got back. I can't believe how many people talked about him as if that was like the north star of where they want to be in terms of leadership and just how incredible a guy the fellow is. Um, and I assume if you're good friends with him, you guys mountain bike as well because that would probably be. A thing, I assume. Yep. Uh, he, yep. he did. He did mention that uh, uh, he, he's definitely into that. So, well, that's that. That's 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 awesome. I mean, Jason, and we've had him on the show. Him, him, and Sarathi together. Actually, he was the rare yeah. one where we did together with with two of them because Sarathi has just an amazing story as, as just as much as Jason does. So, it's something that we had to tell together. Um, David, Very cool. thank you, thank you for sharing oh. today. Thank you for for making this such an awesome close of season four of some amazing guests you were the creme de la creme pleasure as they as they say <laughs> I don't, in English. if you just if you just said you had jason on here you can't say i'm the creme de la creme but it's the end of season four you saw ozark that was probably the best season closer i've ever seen so i'll take that just thank you fantastic uh, fantastic well Dave, thanks yeah. so much i'll be following you know yours and chris's success and uh, um you know i look forward to uh, you know seeing penny not only make it to, to round c but you know through acquisition and uh, and all that and all the great stuff that uh, you're gonna you're gonna bring to the next generation of founders so thank you for Just, taking your time and hanging talking with me today it's it's my pleasure i'm uh, i'm having fun so i'll i'll, I'll be here i'll be back And of course, we're both in Vancouver. And now that we're allowed to see people again, see each other soon, I'm sure. Ahoy, afternoon tea listeners. If you got this far, I assume you like this episode. And that is awesome. Thank you. In such a case, please rate and review Afternoon Tea Podcast and subscribe on 
Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your feeds from. Afternoon Tea is a podcast with a goal to share the stories of Canada's successful tech entrepreneurs in order to prepare the next wave of founders. We do have some great guests lined up for future episodes, but we would love to hear your thoughts too. Please do let us know who you think should be on the show. You can do so by emailing me at podcast at ttt.studio. That is P-O-D-C-A-S-T at T-T-T, that is three T's, dot studio. You will notice there is no dot com because we are that sophisticated. Furthermore, you can find us at social media at T-T-T underscore studios. I look forward to chatting with you soon.